Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I am your host, as always, Huzefa. And today we are talking about something that a lot of you guys may not even believe exists. It is a term that may, you may think I'm making up out of thin air, to be honest, but it's a real term and it affects lots of kids, lots of students, maybe your child as well. And what I am talking about, it literally sounds like something that could be diagnosed, uh, may not be officially diagnosable by a psychiatrist or psychologist, but it is real nonetheless. What I am talking about is math anxiety. Math anxiety is exactly what it sounds like. It is stress or anxiety that comes on when anyone tries to complete a math assignment, take a math test, etc. And I wrote an article a while back on the topic of what exactly math anxiety is. And what today is going to be is it's going to be me talking about math anxiety and more importantly, how to defeat it. And in combination with a, a free-flowing discussion, uh, monologue of sorts with myself, uh, in addition to that, I'm also going to be reading from the article that I did write once upon a time ago. I think I wrote this article, uh, I don't know, a year and a half ago. Uh, everything is still solid. All the information is still up to date. And it's posted on my blog. So if you want to check it out, the article is called Math Anxiety, What It Is and How to Defeat It. And I'm also going to be adding in a slew of additional pieces of information and strategies to go ahead and tackle this problem. But the real thing, the real point is that math is a subject unlike any other in that it can really create a significant amount of angst that can prevent a child from succeeding even if they have the requisite knowledge, even if they have a general baseline understanding. I can tell you I have uh, several students actually that have this deeply ingrained belief, at least when I started with them, that had this really, really set belief that math was just not something that came to them. And when I, before I met them for the first time, I would speak with their parents and chat with them about the situation and the difficulties they were having in math and what they wanted to achieve. And I would almost always go over and meet the student for the first time and work with them. And lo and behold, they understand the concepts. They, I can show it to them and they can do it again and they can understand it. And they'll even say, well, I understand it with you or I understand it with my dad. But then when I go in and try to perform on a test, I get flustered and I make a mistake. Some of the time it can be to incorrect preparation, incorrect processing of the fundamentals behind whatever particular operation you're learning. But a lot of times the the gap between understanding and performance has to do with the stress levels and it has to do 
precisely with math anxiety. And once you can sort of break that down, once you can give get a, a kid or a student out of that mindset, then you can really see them take off. And I just had this happen with one of my with one of my high school students, and she's just starting to really take off and really develop a level of confidence. And I can see it affect not only, obviously, we're, we're seeing great outcomes with respect to her test scores and quizzes, but it's not even about that. The coolest thing that it affects is the way that her attitude when she's preparing, that she feels confident and comfortable so much earlier and so much sooner and real true and tried confidence because now she can she understands and recognizes that she has she has crossed that bridge to where she actually feels like a competent and comfortable and very productive math student. So it's really cool, obviously, to see that happen. That's why I do what I do. It's one of my, my greatest joys. So without further ado, let me start by reading a section. So just to give you a little background of math anxiety, let me start by reading my article again. You can find it at scalarlearning.com, and the title is Math Anxiety, What It Is and How to Defeat It. Let me guess. The question that is currently floating through your brain is as follows. What the heck is math anxiety? While it may sound bizarre and made up, math anxiety is an actual condition that is quite common amongst students. It is similar to other sorts of anxiety or fear a person might encounter when doing something that is personally terrifying, such as public speaking, interacting with strangers, or being around scary animals. For me, that would be bees, of course, terrified of bees. The symbols and the operations can feel overwhelming for some, and that can trigger a subsequent anxiety reaction that completely stifles one's brain and prevents a person from properly absorbing any material. All right, so the next section is the cause of math anxiety. Math anxiety is a learned reaction. Students who have negative experiences with math early on tend to have bad emotions and limiting beliefs tied to mathematics. Once these reactions and beliefs are established, students will subconsciously return to those bad feelings whenever mathematics is brought up. When a student approaches math with low self-confidence, poor emotions, and an overall belief that he or she will be unable to grasp the concepts, the snowball of anxiety builds even more. The inevitable difficulty with the new concepts reinforces the limiting belief and the student continues to feel stifled and defeated. There are several underlying factors that provide excellent fuel for these negative emotions and beliefs to materialize. These are commonly held misnomers about the field of mathematics. First and foremost, there is the erroneous notion that math is a confusing, convoluted subject matter that is inherently difficult to grasp. Many people believe that the inability to understand math is normal and that there are a chosen few that enjoy and understand mathematics, while the rest of the population must simply accept their poor understanding as an unlucky genetic trait. There are other ridiculous misconceptions that cloud young students' minds. For example, there is a distasteful attitude in the U.S. that women are naturally less adept with mathematics than men. Parents and educators seem to promulgate the idea that below-average mathematics skills are par for the course for female students. This is a toxic and utterly false belief, and the passive acceptance of this attitude furthers this nonsensical notion. My parents, for example, had a completely different perspective when raising my sister. Perspective, excuse me. My dad encouraged her throughout school and insisted that mathematical comprehension was of the utmost importance. 
Moreover, he cemented within her the belief that she could perform at the highest level if she chose to apply herself. As a result, she went on to earn an 800 on the math portion of the SAT, a 5 on both of her calculus AP exams, and a chemical engineering degree from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Not too shabby. Yes, my sister is very bright, but a key component to her success was a proper mentality and a solid inner belief. Finally, some people have the backwards notion that you are either creative or logical. If you fall into the former category, math will simply not be part of your repertoire. This is patently false. At the end of the day, math is a highly creative endeavor. It requires a great deal of complex thinking and clever manipulation that is completely creative in nature. If you look at music production and songwriting, an activity that would most certainly be identified as a creative pursuit, there's a great deal of overlap with mathematics. Music is bound by mathematical rules that allow for all sorts of manipulation within the scope of major and minor scales. This is akin to variable manipulation in algebra and calculus. It's funny, but most people presume that an affinity for music comes with a general inability to understand math, and nothing could be further from the truth. Okay, so a lot of stuff that I just said, and it I also have a video on my YouTube channel, my Scalar Learning YouTube channel called The Applications of Math that speaks to the notion that quote-unquote creative endeavors like music, art, uh, dancing, etc. It, it basically hits that idea that, hey, these pursuits, they actually do have a great deal of mathematics involved with them. I mean, if you think about it, when we're talking about music, music is pleasant within particular strictures, within particular bounds. And the laws of mathematics and the laws of music have a lot of similarities. The same can be said with when we're looking at beautiful coordinated dances or if we're talking about art that's pleasing to the eye. Whether or not people want to admit it, there are certain patterns there are, and there are certain truths with respect to what is appealing to the eye and what, of course, is not. So it's really interesting because I think what happens is you have a lot of people that are very talented in these particular fields that are, that are considered to be creative. And by the way, engineering, in my opinion, is a very creative field. Teaching is a very creative field. Mathematics can be very creative. So when I say creative, I mean what we consider to be the creative arts. But there's this... There's this really unhealthy belief that seems to have permeated our society, which is if you are creative, your math and your science abilities are going to suffer. And it's just something that people sort of blindly accept. And I really, really, truly believe that that is not the case. Uh, and in fact, I believe the opposite is the case. Okay, so now the next part is the really important part. And this section is titled How to Solve Math Anxiety. So I'm, of course, going to read again, and then I will be stopping and interjecting with additional commentary, etc., as we go along. Yes, math anxiety is solvable, just like any other potentially debilitating, self-limiting belief. Below are my top four suggestions for tackling this unsightly menace. One, seek to understand the concepts behind the formulas. And... Before I read this section, man, I can tell you there are certain formulas that just don't make sense to memorize. There are a plethora of formulas that don't make sense to memorize. And I tell my students this in geometry and algebra and algebra two, 
Some of the formulas don't waste your time because it's more important to understand what they represent and how to derive them. I'm talking about formulas that can be derived very easily. Case in point, the distance formula, the distance between two points. It's the square roots of y1 minus y2 squared plus x1 minus x2 squared. And those are in parentheses, of course. And yeah, I have it memorized. But I really, and that's just because I'm doing math all the time. I have a lot of formulas in my head. But honestly, for kids who are trying to learn this stuff for the first time, and once you know Pythagorean's theorem, instead, I implore you to recognize that all you're doing with the distance formula is creating a right triangle and applying Pythagorean's theorem. And when you start thinking about it that way, you don't have to worry about misremembering the formula. For example, I see kids all the time. They switch one of the pluses with a minus or vice versa, right? It's very easy to do. And you mix that one step up without understanding where that formula comes, you're hosed. But that will not happen if you understand that the formula is simply a manipulation of Pythagorean's theorem, which is, of course, how you find a third side of a triangle if you know the other two sides. It has to be a right triangle. Anyways, I... I I just think this is such an important thing, and that's what I do for all my students is I make sure that they – because I know which, which formulas you need to know and which you don't because this is what I do all the time. It's, it's harder to figure that out on your own as you're going through it the first, the first time. Okay, so back to the article. Most students who tr- struggle with math attempt to memorize formulas and then apply them in a highly mechanical manner. While this approach might yield favorable results for easier problems – It falters when it comes to more difficult permutations. Instead of simply sticking to rote memorization, students should seek to understand the principles behind the formulas. For example, it is one thing to recognize that a variable can be isolated by adding and subtracting variables in constants, but it is something entirely different to understand the concept that equations are like seesaws that remain stable so long as you affect both sides equally. Doing something to one side will throw it off balance and topple it, but carefully modifying both sides of the equation proportionately allows one to manipulate the whole thing while preserving its integrity and message. All right, number two, eradicate self-limiting beliefs. If someone feels anxious when he sits down to tackle a math problem, it's likely because he thinks that math greatness is unattainable. But take my word for it. This is a false belief. But students can't just take my word for it. (laughs) They need to actually internally accept the idea that they are capable of performing well in math, right? I can say this till I'm blue in the face, and I do say this all the time, but a lot of kids initially, when when they first hear me say it, they, they brush it off. Okay. One awesome method is to adopt a math related mantra. A mantra is a positive saying that is to be repeated in one's head or out loud. For example, a sample mantra could be, I am awesome at math, or I can understand anything. A student should choose one that resonates with him and then repeat it several times. When he begins a math assignment, starts an exam, or experiences any trouble working through math problems. Now, for those of you out there, (coughs) excuse me, for those of you out there rolling your eyes (laughs) and thinking that a, a positive saying like this is essentially is is a joke, which I used to think too. So don't you know? You know I get it. It's not. Uh, I've used this in all sorts of 
in all sorts of manners in math and beyond, even in other coaching, life coaching that I've done as well. And it's a really powerful thing. What it can do is it's basically, it's an interrupt of the typical, the, the typical circuitry in your brain that, that involves beliefs and the, uh, your actions and your outcomes and so on and so forth. Beliefs are basically the product, like the belief that I'm not good at math. It's, it's the product of actions and outcomes that have happened historically through your life a certain number of times uh, over and over that eventually lead you to have this belief that you're not good. For example, you may have failed multiple tests in a, in a row or failed math for one year or had difficulty memorizing the multiplication tables. Or you may have gone to an ultra-competitive school an ultra-competitive private school, you may actually be a great math student, but some of the kids are faster than you at multiplying, and then now you have this belief that you're terrible at math. So the idea is that anyways, it, 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 it gets cemented into your head, and then it will direct your actions thereafter. It will influence you one way or then another about how much effort you put in when you're trying to study or get ready for a math test. What this does is it helps you interrupt that circuitry. It helps you break out of the idea that when you every time you sit down, oh, well, here goes another bad performance. If you really say it and trust in, in my suggestion that this can have some really positive benefits, I hope, I think, and I hope that you will be surprised if you use this in concert with these other strategies that I'm going to provide you. But really, take that to heart. Say it in your head. Say it in your head a, a bunch of times until hopefully it starts making you feel good and making you feel pumped up. Mantras are, are so great. So I implore you to give it a shot. Okay, number three, get extra help. Man, this is so important. And of course, I'm in the tutoring business and I can see it firsthand all the time. Uh, it is just, it can be such a huge help if you get the right tutor and you get the right fit and all that stuff and somebody can really sit down and explain it correctly to you, man, it can make a huge difference. Okay. For those of you who feel stifled by mathematics, asking questions in class can create more anxiety and stress. Because struggling students often refrain from digging deeper in class, their progress and confidence are further hampered. If this is the case, the best solution is to get outside help. <sighs> Sorry, tired. Working with a tutor or a teacher outside of the classroom creates a pressure-free environment for the student to ask questions and have concepts explained in a carefully tailored manner. If the classroom setting is not working, a helping hand can slide everything neatly into place. Then, once a student's confidence is bolstered and he or she begins to feel comfortable, the extra help can eventually be removed. The... The other part about getting one-on-one -on -one help, especially if you have an adept tutor, is that it can it allows for a continual and minuscule adjustments based on a particular learning style. For example, if you have a, if you have a solid tutor, they can explain something one way, see that you don't get it, explain it a different way, see that you don't get it, explain it a different way, and so on and so forth until something begins to click. And this just isn't possible in a classroom setting. I'm teaching right now in a classroom setting, a fourth grade class, and I can't do that. I mean, I can to a certain degree when we have times where everybody's working independently and I can go around and explain things in, in different ways to different kids. But when I'm lecturing or when I'm up 
and explaining to the entire class, my ability to do that is limited. But once you have one-on-one attention, that's a whole new opportunity for a child to get really, really nicely tailored, um, tailored guidance. So super helpful. Okay. Number four, perform practice problems before an exam. And this is just a general study tip, to be honest, for math. I mean, this is how you study for math. You don't study by reviewing the book and reading the theorems if you're taking geometry. That's not how it works, and that's not going to be effective. The biggest mistake I see young students make is that they don't do practice problems before an exam. What is their preferred method of studying? They review the textbook and look over their notes the night before a big test. While that is a highly effective method of studying for most classes, this will not cut it. (sighs) This will not cut it for math. Not at all. Instead, students must develop a habit of doing a number of practice problems before an exam. This will not only uncover any problem areas and weaknesses, but it will serve to firm up concepts in a remarkable way. When it comes to math, only practice makes perfect. And this is the this is really the heart of at the heart of what I see most students, especially students with math anxiety. This is the mistake that I see them make. And I get it. I understand why it's once once you have this notion built up that you're not going to do well no matter what on a math test, well, why would you put in the time to do a bunch of practice problems? Why would you want to study if you feel it's going to be a lost cause? So you're more inclined to to stick with a sort of cursory review. What I if for anybody out there who has a math test in the next few days that's coming up, I suggest you give all of these things a shot. But if you have to choose one thing that you're actually going to try, I would love to see you sit down a day or two before the test and just plow through as many practice problems that you can find in your textbook from your teacher's from your teacher's review sheet, whatever you can get your hands on and do them and then check them and then have the problems you don't understand explained by a teacher or anybody, even if it's your mom or your dad, give it a shot and see what it does for you. Even if you see a marginal increase, let's say you were shoot, you thought you were going to get a 75 and you get an 80 and you see that much of a bump, just recognize that this, that you are now onto something. And with more practice and with more more of this type of review, as you get more comfortable with this whole flow and this whole process, it's going to get better and better. The improvement will continue. May, you may not see the results right away. You may, but if, you're, if you don't, don't be discouraged. So that's all I got on math anxiety. And I hope this was helpful. And I hope for parents listening out there, if you, if you listened up and heard everything that I've talked about, you can you can identify and maybe pass some of these strategies along to your kids. Or even if if they don't want to necessarily hear it from you, if you're always telling them different things and they've begun to tune you out a bit, which is just a natural thing, shouldn't feel bad about it, but it happens, just point them in the direction of this podcast, have them take a listen, have them read my, read my article, whatever you think is best, and have them give it a shot. So that's all for this episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. If you want to check out the show notes, go to the podcast section at www.scalarlearning.com. If you want to email me or contact me directly, you can email me at huzefa at scalarlearning.com. And I will always do my best to get back to you as soon as I can. 
Thank you again for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time. Take it easy. Learning, give me that skill, learning, skill, learning, learning, learning.